Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by HBO's critically acclaimed original limited series, Chernobyl. Nominated for four Golden Globes, including Best Television Limited Series, Jared Harris for Best Actor in a Limited Series, Stellan Skarsgård for Best Supporting Actor, and Emily Watson for Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series. Hailed by critics as a truly excellent, beautifully crafted, and masterful piece of television. Chernobyl, for your Golden Globe consideration in all nominated categories. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And Ann, this is not only our last episode of the year, but it's a very special edition because we're on vacation, so we're coming to you from the past. But uh, so if there's some crazy breaking news, we, we won't be addressing it because we don't have a crystal ball in the office quite yet. But we do have a lot of cool stuff to look ahead to. So I was thinking we'd spend the next couple of minutes for this episode talking through movies that we're excited to see and see what kind of comes out of that because it's a really interesting year obviously Sundance is around the corner and there's a lot of stuff we'll be getting out of the first couple months of the year that we may not know about yet or we don't know what's worth talking about but there are things on the release calendar that personally I think we can we can both agree will 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 be movies that are anticipated from various different people and will be worth talking about so what are you excited to see in 2020? Well, a couple of great trailers broke recently. Um, but I, what fascinates me is the idea that you have the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical in the Heights, right? The one that came before Hamilton. Yeah. Um, that won four Tony Awards in 2008, including Best Musical and Best Original Score. And it's, he's got John Chu, right, who's really good with, um, musicals as well. And he's got Anthony Ramos and Jimmy Smits and it's opening on June 26th. And the incredible trailer blew my mind. I cannot wait. It's a great trailer. But my God, that trailer. Me, yeah. What struck me about it, because you basically have this Puerto Rican culture, you've got this extraordinary, vivid, you know, obviously authentic and, and, um, you know, Washington Heights and, you know, a Latino neighborhood and all that, all very well drawn out. And then I suddenly thought about Steven Spielberg directing West Side Story and coming back with that. And that's not going to be until December. And it struck me that In the Heights could totally steal thunder from the classic remake written by Tony Kirshner based on Arthur Lorenz's book, you know, the famous, famous 57 musical. But this time, obviously, what Spielberg is trying to do is do it right. 
do it, bring back Rita Moreno um, and, and bring, you know, bring a cast into, into the right ethnic backgrounds that they should have been in the first place. The Jets well, I and mean, the I, I've said this before, but never, ever underestimate Spielberg with Ready Player One. I mean, I know that movie didn't I resonate Ready the whole year, One. but it, with, there was a sense of, you know, we hadn't seen a lot of it until he just sort of surprised South by Southwest with it. And, and it was fascinating because, to see how well he pulled off what that movie could do at the age of 70 to be making a very complex effects driven movie with the, you know, the multiple layers of nostalgia in play. And it was very much geared towards a video game generation. And then to go make West side story, which is a totally different generational reference point is, I mean, it speaks to just what a sophisticated. I do not underestimate Steven Spielberg and I do not underestimate and Tony Kushner or the ability that they have, you know, that Spielberg has to cast this right and get the music right and everything else. But there's something about remaking a classic like that and bringing it into the present day and the difference between that and what In the Heights actually is. There is still a difference. Well, I haven't seen In the Heights. I know some of the music and what I think is fascinating about the anticipation of it is that the shadow of Hamilton is so large. I mean, that In the Heights was a, a well-reviewed play. Obviously, one of, in the Broadway world, it was very well-liked. But Hamilton became this kind of historic cultural phenomenon. And so it's sort of hoisted up by that. And yet, on some level, it seems like it's it's going to speak to a kind of contemporary sensibility in a way that even Hamilton could not because Hamilton had this right. you know, fascinating sort of historic context, right. whereas this is like right now. That's right. And that's, and, the, and it looks like that. I mean, like I've said before, I, I don't always love watching trailers, but I couldn't stay away from this one. What was, was cool about, what was cool about it is it, it looks like there's just tons and tons and tons of dancing right. in the movie. And the, and that, you know, dance on film is something that we just, I mean, we talked about cats in the last episode, but it's like choreography on films can be done really well, or it can be done not so well. And just get based on a lot of the, the wide shots in this movie and some crazy stuff with like people dancing up the sides of apartment buildings and stuff. Yeah. It does look like it'll be very satisfying cinematically. And the question is Spielberg who has never, unless I'm missing something directed a, a musical what is he doing that would make a musical on film more satisfying? Very similar in a weird way. And one seems very authentic and the other one less. So, so that's the issue. All right. So um, what is yours? Let's hear, let's hear what you have to look forward to. So the, so one thing that I was thinking about is uh, last year with black Klansman, Spike Lee had, sort of a, a comeback in a way, even though he never really went away. I mean, this amazingly prolific filmmaker. In he many was, different uh, areas, documentaries, certain, yeah, television. Right. Incre- he's just always working and yet somehow Commercials. never never quite as appreciated as, as you think he should be. Because on some level, maybe part of that is, is – the problem problems with our industry and our culture, but it's also because he works in so many different registers. But Black Klansman was was really gratifying because it kind of consolidated, I think, what a lot of people like about Spike into into this movie from the the narrative itself to the way it had this, you know, kind of immediacy in, you know, he won the Oscar. So now he's coming back with this Netflix movie, The Five Bloods, which uh, which I think is very interesting because he just did that She's Gotta Have It show, which was not renewed. But um, from what I understand, it's not like there are any bad vibes between him and Netflix that that show kind of 
had reached a point where it made sense to to move on. No, but and this, he was at the Netflix holiday party. And, you know, yeah, no. He, he, so he's on good terms. And and this movie about these African-American Vietnam vets, people, when they hear the premise, they compare it to Last Flag flying. But it, it looks like it's going to have more Vietnam stuff in it. It's not just the old guys kind of talking about the old days and but it's but it's got a, a really good cast. I mean people like Chadwick Boseman, Jonathan Mazers, and uh Paul Walter Hauser, who was a the breakout in, in Richard Jewell. I mean it, it sounds like a really interesting way of dealing with Vietnam trauma. It's not his first war movie. He did Miracle at St. Anna, which wasn't totally successful. No. But there's just something about when a filmmaker like this hits their stride and then immediately goes back to work that I think can be very gratifying. And and Spike is always saying interesting things with his movies. And, and this the, the premise of this movie, the way it deals with both a past war and also is in the present, does feel like a natural extension of some of the themes he was exploring in Black Klansmen. So I'm very, very curious about this movie. We don't know. It's not in the Sundance lineup as far unless they add it. We don't know where if it, I mean, it's a Netflix movie. So there, there's that big can question that'll come up again, but probably won't go to can. So it's, it, it will be a, gonna get resolved. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know what's going to, where this movie's going to land, but it could have a real fascinating life. And, and, you know, he's just, you cannot like Spielberg. You cannot count out Spike Lee, no matter how long he's been at this game and no matter how many times, you know, he might might make something that's imperfect. I'm always interested. I, I, all I'll say is that it all depends on how well written it is, whether whether he's got time to give it the right amount of attention. I, I don't know. Sometimes Spike gets gets um, uh, he moves fast. He and gets, the guy, he gets I mean, distracted. So I will the best of Spike. I mean, in other words, the Jordan Peele, that situation, it all fell into place with 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 uh, Black Klansman. It was the perfect match. It was the perfect director for the right material and everything felt felt right. So it, it, he needs that. He needs everything to, to fall into place for for him to do his best work. But, you know, I. I have seen a lot of Spike stuff that people haven't seen in recent years. Some of the films that he made that were were smaller, that didn't really get, you know, before Black Klansman came together, he was, you know, doing stuff like Red Hook Summer that with his good. NYU students. That was an but excellent it, movie. But it was very interesting to see those movies that, that were made for you know, not like huge budgets or whatever, and he would still find ways of making them hold together. I mean, I even thought like, the sweet blood of Jesus, which looked like it was made for five dollars, <laughs> like it, I mean, and even his old that boy remake. Weird. I that mean, one was it weird. was a weird. He followed the studio and stuff, but there was stuff in it. There was filmmaking in it. I mean, there was. He's always bringing something to the table, and he doesn't take on a project just because he's definitely not a work for hire guy. So it's. I think there's just something, and people can really learn from that. And I love how people every every time he's sort of he's making the rounds. Somehow people discover he's also a teacher. Like Alma Harrell was uh, tweeting when she went to did a honey boy screening in his class. And I was like, yeah, Spike teaches at, at, at Tish. I see him when That's I go there and teach my class. That's a big part of who he is. Yeah, he does very, that consistently. very generous in terms of how he supports people. And I've been yeah. watching him on the circuit here in L.A. He's been supporting Harriet and, and helping out, you know, doing screenings with Cynthia Erivo. He is definitely playing that role of the Potter familias who is yeah. helping to support so, the younger generation. And I, and when he, I love that. And when he has a movie coming out, it brings him out even more. I mean, one of the things I appreciated about black Klansman and the campaign that he did for that was that 
he was actually easier to talk to because he was trying really hard not to He was to trying argue. to be nice. He was trying yeah. not to alienate people. It was yeah. very hard for him, but he did. He can, do- he can turn it on and off. <laughs> he can. And, and so hopefully I've known next him year- a long, long time, and I can tell you how much he can. I mean, it's like hopefully next year we get both a worthy Spike Lee movie and also maybe like a nice Spike again because, you know, the past year was like a little little mixed in that well, respect. He, but, he is who he is. So yeah. the other movie that I'm looking forward to is Dune. I cannot wait to see Dune. Denis Villeneuve, another Christmas movies with Timothy Chalamet, Josh Brolin, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Javier Bardem, Jason Momoa, Zendaya, Dave Bautista. This, you know, after after Blade Runner uh, 2049, I just cannot wait to see this. And I think what's, I mean, I'm sure many of our readers agree with you, but what's, what's kind of fascinating about this is that it it's obviously sort of a corrective on some level where it's being positioned that way because that 1984 movie that Lynch directed has been, you know, considered this very famous failure of sorts, whereas the book itself is still revered. So it's not like it's playing off of, no, you know, it's not a it's remake. Not trying to make, yeah. make hay over over something that was a success. Uh, au contraire, he has nowhere to go but up. But it is it is a, it, one thing one can remember is that a movie, a book like Dune, is hard to adapt intelligently into a movie it, it, and and make it work and and be true to the to the book. But what he has is an incredible toolkit in terms of being able to bring things to the screen visually. And I trust him. I trust an evil enough. It may not be a commercial movie as Blade Runner was not. That's an open question. But it could be a great movie. And they're also doing a a spinoff, this Dune Sisterhood thing for HBO Max. So clearly there is a kind of investment in what he's doing here and a lot writing on the potential for this thing to succeed. Though I thought it was, it was fascinating that Blade Runner 2049 didn't work commercially. It was sort of like this assumption that there was a big enough audience that cared about the original Blade Runner. There wasn't. And there wasn't. And, and the yet, same exact what, things that dive bombed the original, even when Ridley Scott did it, even though we look at it as a classic now at the time, it, it didn't play with a, a big audience and neither did the new one as gorgeous and stunning and brilliant as it was. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it's got a lot of potential. I mean, that is, it's crazy thing. It's a Chalamet, since Call Me By Your Name, he's been in a lot of stuff, but he hasn't done um, like a huge blockbuster kind of role in yet. This he would be his moment. He did a supporting role. Yes, he did a supporting role for In Little Women. And some people argue that he's good as Laurie. Other people think he's miscast. And then there's and, The King on Netflix. And then The King, I actually liked him in. I thought he was good. I liked him, and I just thought the movie was kind of bland. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it, was, it was fine for Netflix. I enjoyed it, it. Yeah, I'm sure many, many people watch that movie, and we'll never know exactly how many. But it's probably good for for your star, your star quotient in that respect. Is that absolutely? Oh, he has a huge fan base. Yeah, yeah, and he and because he's so young, it's like just in the last couple of years, he still kind of looks like this fresh faced guy, so he can kind of keep writing on that breakout status for for quite some time so you know ideally this movie kicks him up to some other level of star but i think it'll be very interesting to see 
you know, is Timothy Chalamet an A-list star who people go see a movie for? Well, or is it more like it's just a sci-fi thing or the Dune fans from the book? No, or no, what he's that gonna, I, that's an interesting point. But the thing about Chalamet in general is that he's young and he's only going to improve with age as Rob Pattinson did as Leonardo DiCaprio did, you know, when you're young, there's only so much you can do. You have to get some gravitas. You have to get some muscle and some, some, some heft as you grow older. And uh, I look forward uh, to what he can do. I doubt very much that he's limited to being a pretty boy. Well, I wonder if, if there is a next phase for him where he becomes somebody's muse. I mean, DiCaprio finally getting to be, Marty's guy after him. That was very smart. So the question is, where is that? You know, he's done two great Gerwig movies, but in in minor roles. And Pattinson, Pattinson, to his credit, has 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 made one good call after another uh, in terms of working with exciting directors and and making uh, some big bets on on smart screenplays. He really has done well. That is another point. I mean, if we were to, to add another movie to our list of anticipated titles, this was not one I jotted down before. But yeah, we have to, I mean, we have to acknowledge that movie, whatever that it is. Today. <laughs> yeah. Trailer. As we, as, as we record the, the trip. And the thing is, you never really know what Nolan is up to, but. Uh, he's got a bigger anticip- budget than he's ever had. What is it? $220 million? Which is crazy because we don't know what that's there. going to. <laughs> but like, what is that being spent on? We don't oh really my God. Know. I'll I give mean- it to him anytime. He, you know, he, this looks like it's, it's in the realm of, of, um, What's the one? Uh, <laughs> in, well, it's like an Inception That's type it. of thing. Inception, but the one also, with the folding, the folding uh, city, and, and yeah, all yeah. That crazy. Inception was about dreamscapes, and this one it seems to be about time travel. So if he's playing with time, that also takes him back to his roots with Memento, his second film. Exactly. So I think there, there's something really intriguing and it's a about that. Massive cast and lots of locations, and yeah, and uh, no, it looks it looks great. But and, that's, I mean, going off of the Shalom company is an interesting move for Pattinson is that he is stepping back in from after getting Twilight behind him and doing art films. He's now stepping back he's into this. Now a movie star. Yeah, in a, in a, in a way that, that feels very curated. Going from which Tenet is, to Batman. Exactly. So I think that's going to be a fascinating sort of thing to track in the months ahead. Though the, the movie star that I'm really excited to see next year, who's making the rounds right now quite a bit, is Adam Driver in this latest Carex film, Annette. And honestly... One of the most gratifying screening experiences I've I've had was at the Cannes Film Festival seeing Carrick's Holy Motors, and you know <laughs> that was being a wild a, ride. Be, being a fan, that was like 2012, and being a fan of of, of Carrick's in the past, and he hadn't made a movie in a long time. It's like you never really know what you're in for. And what was so satisfying about that movie was that even as you watch it, you don't know. And when it's over, you don't really know what you've seen, but you know that you saw something special. Adam and the vision, Driver is another one man. who is making very smart choices with the right directors. He has his, he can pick and choose. And this year, I, I will argue that Star Wars is actually going to fuel his Oscar run um, for for Marriage Story, and he also has the report to support. Yeah, it can't hurt. It so really, it, I mean, he's it's... so good in this. And but what he is in Star Wars that is is a, is a movie star, and that's a different thing. That's a totally different animal. And I'm glad that he's taking chances with Leo's Carex, and he'll go back and forth. The Soa Pattinson, they'll both do the well, same thing. 
And it's worth pointing out, I don't really know what Annette is. I mean, it, it seems to have to do with him playing a stand-up comedian and his wife is a, a Marin Cotillard. It's like a soprano and something happens when their child is born, has some kind of special ability. But I think it's a musical and we know Driver can sing. So talk about taking a natural next step. Rihanna's also, in, I, I believe, somehow attached to this thing. Um, there's something, and she may not be in anymore, but, but I think... Um, Michelle Williams is doing there's something about the alchemy of what Annette looks like it could be. Do you think this should be ready in time for Cam? It feels like a a natural spot. The movie has been shooting recently. There was something really funny online where in the first week of the shoot, Carrick's dog went missing and driver taped a little like help us find this dog message. And then they did, they found the dog. But uh, I think they're done shooting. It feels like that, that kind of movie, like what Quentin did with once upon a time in Hollywood, where it's like, can is such a natural fit and they could use those stars. So presumably it will be that kind of thing where it'll be down to the wire. But, you know, we've been through this before. If, if a movie is going for Ken and, and it, they're holding a slot, they'll, they'll get their slot. I have so. to confess that in this extremely intense Oscar corridor that I've been part of, and you've, you've had a piece of it yourself, it, is, it has been so, so relentless and so speeded up. It's like you're running as fast as you can. It's been a relief to talk to you about something else. And you I get know. to go to Sundance, and then you and I both get to go to Berlin, mm-hmm. and then we both get to go to Cannes, and the whole new year unfolds. And I am very much looking forward to it because what happens is you start to get sick of all these movies. You start to get yeah. tired of them. Well, I mean, as it's- good as they are. I will always consider Pain, Glory, and Parasite, you know, exceptional pieces of filmmaking. But I think we're rooting for both of them. The the narrative, the the way in which things are scrutinized, it's like you don't always know when you're being played by somebody, and that that sense of uneasiness about the the industrial side of all this gets in the way of you know what's exciting. When I watch a movie, complex has become overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, there's literally nothing like watching a movie and just really enjoying. Yeah. And, and going to festivals, especially whatever happens in the next decade, I don't know what's going to happen in 20 years when Richard Linklater finishes his 20 year project, you know, of what movies are going to be like, but the idea in the next decade of whatever's going to happen in the movie industry, I think no matter what happens, being able to sit down and experience something, you know, just as a viewer uh, and, and just have that kind of, aesthetic relationship to something is so singular, like nothing can really change that, you know, in terms of what the industry is doing. And that's what I think is so exciting. It's like, yeah, you're right. We go to Sundance or we go to Cannes or Berlin or whatever. We're just experiencing movies, period. So that's what I'm really excited Me about in, in a couple of weeks. So. Absolutely. Well, happy new year, Anne. It's been, it's been a good couple of weeks and I'm looking forward to talking to you when we're back from vacation. Have fun, Eric. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.